Blog Talk Radio. Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Sherry Knowlton. Um, I write the Alexa Williams series of suspense books, uh, Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, Dead of Spring, and the recently released Dead of Winter. Hi, I'm Jody West. I write the Carlisle Crime Cases series, Dying for Vengeance, Courting Doubt and Darkness, Darkness at First Light, and Had a Dying Fall, featuring Carlisle Homicide Detectives Christopher Snow and Aaron McCoy. I'm currently editing and revising my latest mystery, Things Strangled, which will be released later this year, sometime this summer, I hope. Sunbury Press publishes our mystery and suspense novels um, through its mystery imprint, which is called Milford House, Um, hence the name Milford House Mysteries. Uh, And today we're very pleased to have award-winning author Dr. Barry Libin with us. We're going to chat with him about his newest mystery called The Vatican's Vault uh, and the other writing that he's done uh, as well. Dr. Libin is a native New Yorker, and he's uh, majored in history and science in college, but then followed his father into dental practice. Uh, later he pursued pharmaceutical research, but eventually turned to writing. His first mystery, The Mystery of the Milton Manuscript, published in 2014, interprets the meaning of John Milton's Paradise Lost, which was an epic poem written to explain God's ways to man. His latest mystery, The Vatican's Vault, was published in late February, Welcome to Milford House Mysteries, Dr. Lippin. Well, thank you, Sherry and Jody. I appreciate it. Well, um, some weighty subjects, the Vatican's vault and uh, Paradise Lost. Uh, Let's start, um, Barry, with some information for our readers um, just about your your writing, um, I guess more about the, the genre that you write in. Uh, I, I've uh, read that some readers refer to the Vatican's vault as a police procedural, others uh, call it a thriller. Um, the mystery of the Milton manuscript uh, seems to combine um, the, some of those genres, um, and then there's, of course, a a historical element, a, a religious element. Um, how do you view the genre of your novels, uh, which seem to encompass all of these and also have sort of a literary aspect to them as well? Well, I think that uh, history has always been a uh, magnetizing effect on me, and um, but uh, history uh, can be dry, and so... Uh, the question always remained: How do you how do you make it more exciting for those that find it difficult to appreciate? So some of the most wonderful books I've read have been historical novels, 
where the facts are true, but the setting is arranged by the author. So I, I took the facts of my research uh, on these various topics, wrapped them into a mystery uh, where deception and scandal or murder or other conflict entices the reader to turn the pages. As they're turning the pages, they learn indeed about the history of the subject that we're that we're dealing with. The uh, the Milton, uh, John Milton, of course, uh, one of the greatest intellects, uh, certainly in 17th century uh, England, but probably uh, still today one of the great intellects that the world has ever produced. Uh, and the amazing thing is that he wrote Paradise Lost, which is certainly our greatest epic, uh, up until recently, really until the 1900s, read more widely than uh, Shakespeare. And... Uh, and the thing about uh, Milton was that he wrote this while he was blind. Uh, so an exceptional, uh, brilliant intellect that we're dealing with, that he's able to quote all of the great authors before him, all of the great books, uh, all of the, the Bible uh, by heart, and simply read them to an individual who wrote down what he was saying. Um, so that attracted me to, to, to that period, the period of the Puritan Revolution, in England, and um, as a result, uh, I, uh, I, I enjoyed writing that, and you learned that. That took me about four years of research, as this new one did. Oh, wow. Well, let's talk about the new one. In the second book, The Vatican's Vault, conflict and conspiracy abound in the upheaval of Catholic Church regarding its handling of pedophile priests and issues of family and marriage and with members questioning its adherence to tradition. How do you tackle such a complex and provocative subject? Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, uh, question. Um, I, w I knew how this was going to end. I, I, when I write a book, I know how it's going to end. I just don't know mm -hmm. how it's going to get there. And uh, okay. perhaps like many writers. Uh, and uh, people have said, how do, you, how do you write a good novel? Uh, I, I write for myself. I, I enter the story knowing the ending, but have no idea of how I will get there. Uh, as exciting as it may be for the reader to read what I write, it's equally as exciting for me to, to for me to read what I write. Uh, and I think that to to write a good novel means to practice the art of reading. You write to read what you've written, mm -hmm. and sense if it meets your standards, and as it as it never does. You rewrite once, twice, as many times as needed until it becomes something you can bear to reread. You are your own first and maybe severest reader. I remember Ibsen inscribed on the flyleaf of one of his books, to write is to sit in judgment on oneself. And, and Dr. Johnson said, what is written without effort is in general read without pleasure. And though the rewriting and the rereading sounds like effort, they're actually the most pleasurable parts of writing. Setting out to write literature rather than just a story is formidable. It's uh, intimidating, but you approach it. You know it's worth honing with careful and joyful editing. And so I just uh, enjoy writing. I, I often say that uh, I close the door. Breakfast is served under the door. I get up at 5, write till about 9, and then I can start my other work. Oh, my. So you're, you are really adhere to a, a pretty strict schedule then, huh? 
Uh, well, I mean, I do a bunch of different things, and so it is ne- necessary. But I always start off with the most, uh, the mo- the happiest part of it all, which is to be creative, to go deep into my mind, and uh, and it comes out the way it just comes out, and it's it's exciting. You are an entrepreneur of of writing, and that really is what's what's so exciting about it. This this new book, I've tried to put together a host of different areas. Uh, it, it, it started really, to be honest with you, um, uh, where I needed something to to another subject to to come after Paradise Lost, and um, and uh, which really related to Milton's Christianity, uh, Milton as a Hebraist, um, and uh, and so. The, the idea of the Vatican's vault came when someone mentioned the temple treasure, and I and I had a transcendental moment. Um, and then I started my research, and I, I came across an article in the New York Times, which I realized I could build a story around. It was a story uh, that was most unusual. Uh, an individual who uh, who. Uh, spoke about what he had seen at Dachau at the concentration camp as a Navy chaplain who used his platform to support Soviet jewelry, played a role in the Vatican's recognition of the state of Israel. Mayor Koch worked closely with him in New York and proclaimed that he loved him like a brother. Hmm. And that man was John, uh, was, uh, John Cardinal O'Connor, the former head of the Archdiocese of New York. Uh-huh. And what was most intriguing to me was what the article said. His mother was born a Jew, and his father, her, and, and his grandfather, her father, was a rabbi. And I said, <laughs> wow, that is quite amazing. And, yeah, I didn't uh, know that. And, and when they interviewed uh, his mother, uh, I should say his sister, uh, Mary O'Connor, uh, the Cardinal's 87-year-old sister, he uh, she she said, yes, that means my two brothers were Jewish, my sister was Jewish, and I am Jewish. And of that I am very proud. And that story, along with many other factoids that I researched, led to the construction of the Vatican's vault, um, which I based on factual, religious, and historical events. Uh, and it takes you right through from the wilderness uh, after, uh, actually it's Passover now, so uh, from the wilderness after you left Egypt to the uh, Israelites leaving Canaan and Jerusalem and then Babylonia and Persia and Greece and Rome, right through to <clears throat> the treasure of the temples uh, that were destroyed uh, and were seen in Rome. Um, and then after that, where are they? We're not certain, but that's what this book tells us about. So it starts off with a murder because they say that you have one paragraph. Some people say you have one line to catch the reader's attention. So it starts off with the crucifixion of a priest in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. And to find that murderer, we go through many steps we go from New York to Jerusalem to Rome, back to New York to Harvard, and so on and so forth, in an attempt to find the murderer. Uh, 
And by finding that murderer, we now find a conspiracy to destroy the Catholic Church, which was based on a document that I found in my research in about 1820, which exactly defines how they're going to overthrow the church. And this is an Italian document called The Permanent Instruction of the Alta Vendita. So that's an actual document, not a fictional document. Oh, that's correct. Everything in this book, everything that I have written is a fact, except for I change. I have my names of my protagonists that are different. So the Catholic priests, the bishops, the archbishops, the cardinals have a different name, and the uh, and the entire concept, which is which is correct and real and true, remains factual. Uh, of course, the next question is: Well, what is factual, and 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 what is history, and we? both you ladies as well as myself as writers, what, what is history? And, and especially in, in light of today's fake news. <laughs> and that fake news is about to become fake history. So the question is really, what is real history? And I remember some lectures by the English historian E.H. Carr in about 1961 he wrote at the University of Cambridge introducing his theory of history. And he discussed that it's impossible to produce a past that is entirely accurate and independent of human opinion because historians have to choose which facts of the past become historical facts. And that's according to our biases and our agendas. So it is not fake when the historian molds the facts to suit their, or is it not fake, I should say, when they mold, uh, when we mold our facts to suit our interpretation and uh, to suit our facts. And Carr points out that individuals are influenced by society from birth and the interpretation of the past. So, so yeah, I had to choose certain facts to get to where I wanted to go, but it all blended in the three aspects of one, the death of a priest, two, a conspiracy to destroy the, the Catholic Church, and three, how does that relate to finding the temple treasure, which is indeed uh, the greatest of all treasures uh, of antiquity, uh, worth fortunes of money in gold and silver, if it is still there. And in our book, based on my research of a lot of these different areas, I actually write down where I think the treasure can be found. Oh, no, that's fascinating. Um, Have you gone I'm looking for it? I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh, did you say, say have, have, have I you looked gone for, it yet? for it? No, I don't really have that kind of time, as you know, to keep rereading your book. You don't have time to go out and find the treasure. My treasure <laughs> is in writing the book, as I'm sure you find yours also. But but it is very exciting. So much has been written. You have all heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have all heard yes. about perhaps the Copper Scroll, where it actually lists uh, about 60, uh, a list of 60 places where the treasure has been taken, uh, because we have to go through the history of the Middle East. We have to go through the fact that it was when Babylonia and Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. destroyed the first temple that King Solomon had built in about uh, 900 B.C., 
And now uh, we have uh, uh, in 586, and then in 72 AD, when Rome came and destroyed the temple, this is now the second temple that Herod built. So now the question is, where is all of that treasure? So we know that it went to Rome. When you, I don't know if you ladies have been to Rome, but when you go to Rome and you see the, uh, the, uh, the Arch of Titus, you will see it so clearly uh, as it has been carved out on either side of the arch. You will see them carrying the great treasures, the spiritual treasures from uh, Jerusalem, the army on their back carrying the menorah, which is clearly clear to be seen, the showbread, which the priests in the temple changed every day, and then the question is uh, <clears throat> the altar, which you can see. And the only thing that we don't see is the Ark of the Covenant. Where was the Ark? Where hmm. was the original Torah, the original that commandments that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai? That was supposed to be in the Ark. And the question is, what happened to it? I go through that very clearly, utilizing the same protagonist that I used in my last book. And uh, that is uh, a detective who is a physician, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Moss, who was a cardiovascular surgeon, got tired of that, and went ahead and uh, became a medical examiner and a detective. And he is responsible, along with his uh, uh, an archaeologist um, from uh, Israel uh, who helped to find the, uh, <clears throat> the Copper Scroll. She also worked with him, and they together go through all of the evidence which we present to the reader to see where is indeed the treasure presently found. And, uh, and that is why we go to Jerusalem, we go to Rome, uh, where indeed I went myself uh, to uh, explore and to meet with various people and to be able to see things that have not been seen because this treasure was last seen in Rome in about 600 A.D. in the Temple of Peace that uh, Titus built uh, at that time. It was like a museum, and everyone could come and see the menorah, see all of the treasures that they took from Jerusalem. Um, but after that, we don't know where it is. But there's been so much exciting archaeology, of course, and things like that uh, to help us try to find it. And after my research, uh, I found that, which is all in the book, I found that it's very exciting uh, evidence that suggests that it is uh, in a different place than we really think. Hmm. Well, which leads to the next question. Uh, does your um, protagonist, Dr. Jeffrey Moss, share any traits or views with you, like the realization that science leads to the future and history leads to the past? Well, the only thing that I can tell you about, uh, uh, about Jeffrey Moss is that <clears throat> the reason that he left medicine to join the medical examiner's office in New York 
uh, is because he says he did not leave medicine. Mm. Medicine left him. Mm. No longer is a physician responsible for determining what the treatment plan is going to be for his patient. Now insurance guidelines will tell you what the doctor is going to, how the doctor is going to treat you and whether or not you can, it'll be paid for, or if it can't be covered, can you cover it yourself? This, of course, is all of the present problems that we're having today regarding medical care. And so I discussed that briefly uh, in, the, uh, in the book to try to understand why uh, Dr. Morse left what he was doing, um, where he was a cardiovascular surgeon, and went ahead and joined the medical examiner's office so uh, to try to find uh, the, the bad people. Uh, and we find that he did that uh, also because of a personal reason, uh, someone that he loved greatly, someone he was going to marry, um, who also happened to be a physician, uh, and she was, uh, and she was uh, murdered for the $5 that she had in her pocketbook. And after that, he felt that he had to do something to try to, on a personal agenda, to try to find the bad people in the world. Mm. Hmm. Well, speaking of bad people and good people, um, both of your novels uh, deal uh, to a great extent with religious history. Um, You know, of course, Paradise Lost is a work of literature, but... um, it's all about religion uh, in many aspects. And the Vatican's vault, as you've explained to our uh, viewers, uh, not viewers, listeners, um, listeners, you know, certainly has its entire plot rooted in um, the history of religion, of various religions. So what has drawn you to these particular Subjects. You obviously have a passion uh, for the the historical part, but the the religious history is, um, is that something that you've always been interested in? Yeah, I think uh, uh, unfortunately today uh, the events that we read in the paper is perhaps based on on uh, religious. Uh, history, not the kind of religion that we would hope for, where religion can be priests and uh, peace and, and and love and and uh, and goodwill to men, but uh, unfortunately, uh, this has deteriorated into a situation where you see uh, what happened in Sri Lanka this week: uh, 100, what, 200 people killed uh, by uh, well, radical factions. Now it's up to 359. I mean, this is just a a terrible situation that's occurring all over the world. Um, This is not the way religion was meant to be. Um, And uh, uh, but I think that it it holds answers. And I've always been fascinated by uh, the belief uh, in uh, an all-powerful being that uh, that gives us rules that uh, that we can follow. Uh, to lead a, a, a life that's civilized uh, and allows us to uh, to live together in peace and harmony. So I can't give up on that, um, and yet uh, I fear that the history of religion is going in a very, very different uh, in a very different way. And uh, 
but I think that religion is is very exciting, very interesting, and makes up, to be honest with you, uh, most of history from the very beginning uh, of the uh, of Cain and killing his brother Abel to the Crusades to uh, to the uh, to the Holocaust. I mean, it's a a, a situation that uh, is fills our our history books, unfortunately. And all tied so, together. Yes, yeah. all tied together. Yeah, Sherry and I both write mysteries. We um, that and actually we write series. We both have a series going, and that approach is often recommended by publishers and you know, in suspense and thrillers alike. Um, but you seem to have written uh, two standalone novels. Uh, what did your stories require different sets of characters or? Well, we have the same protagonist. Happened. So, mm-hmm. Dr. Jeffrey Morse was helpful in finding the uh, mystery of the Milton manuscript and solving that. And so, we have brought him back to be the main protagonist in finding out uh, the uh, in, in exploring the Vatican's vault, in finding the murderer of the priest, and in uh, and in finding the conspiracy to destroy the Catholic Church and saving the Catholic Church. So we have the same protagonist in both aspects of things. And he's very good for me because I think uh, medically like he does um, and, uh, and I think sort of uh, heroically like he does. So, um, yeah, he's a, good, he's a good person to look at. He's honest. Uh, he's truthful. Um, and uh, he even uh, finds time to... Uh, to uh, find a nice woman for him to uh, to uh, be in love with. What's well, life no. without romance, right? Oh yes, a yep. little romance. Uh, but you know, we're dealing romance. with the Catholic, and when dealing with the Catholic Church, of course, right now, we are not shy in not bringing out all of the major problems that the Church is having, uh, and that is certainly something that uh, that is very significant. Uh, in how we are presenting the church in terms of the problems between, and the main conflict of the book is between the traditional view of the church versus the, the modernity of the church and where it's going, especially in light of this new pope that we have. So uh, I think that all of these various conflicts uh, are brought together and hopefully uh, resolve in a, uh, in a, uh, uh, a real crescendo uh, at the end of the book. Yeah, they sound interesting. I, I know one of the reviews that I read, um, I think it was of the Vatican's Vault, but um, it uh, compared you, uh, it or said something about your books are in the tradition of Dan Brown. Um, you know, Steve Barry also leaps to mind, uh, as well as a couple of other authors. But um, do do you get that Dan Brown especially comparison a lot? I um actually, uh, although a lot of people say to be Dan Brown because he is so popular, um, uh, I I was uh, doing a a reading of my first book. And um, this professor at Columbia in literature uh, was introducing me. He had read the book, and he said, uh, "He said, you know, he said, 
this is more like Umberto Eco than Dan Brown. Oh, oh. oh. I, I had to go back and read Umberto Eco again. Uh, I couldn't understand the word, and I realized that. I don't know what he was talking about, <laughs> but certainly. Uh, uh, it, it, that was a compliment. Hopefully it's, uh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, Dan writes great stuff and beautiful stuff, and maybe maybe my stuff is like his, or maybe uh, a little more sophisticated. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, listen, uh, successful he is, and he's written a great genre, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it interested me. When I read The Da Vinci Code, I underlined every word. Um, uh-huh. I re- there's a perfect example, so maybe that was a great influence on me. It's very possible. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you're more, a little bit more literary than Dan Brown, but the the theme he has I, the magic think... touch, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with us and uh, our audience out there, or like where we can uh, readers can get your books and follow you on social media? Well, certainly uh, my books are available all over. Of course, they're available at Amazon. Uh, they're available at Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can order them through all bookstores. Um, you can go on my website. Uh, I have a, uh, a, a blog, which I just started. I'll be writing various things on it every Monday morning. Um, you can go to barrylibin.com, B-A-R-R-Y-L-I-B-I-N.com. And uh, you can read a little bit more about uh, about the books, uh, as you can on Amazon. And uh, hopefully um, uh, the readers will uh, will enjoy it, like they enjoy your books. <laughs> well, well thank you. Uh, we hope so. I mean, this has certainly been a, a very interesting uh, half hour, uh, which, by the way, is almost up. So best of luck. Um, on your books, especially the newest one, Vatican's Vault. Um, and we didn't really get a chance to ask you if you've got something in the works uh, in the near future. Um, I have some ideas, but uh, everything takes time. And everything exactly. finds its place, which is the last sentence in my book. Everything takes time. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll direct and folks my... to, to, for now, to, to read the Vatican's Vault and the the one about Paradise Lost. Uh, yes, the mystery of the Milton manuscript. Yes, whoever yeah. comes near to finding that manuscript uh, seems to be murdered. Why? <laughs> it's Milton's own manuscript and his own reading of Paradise Lost since no one knows what's been written, no, no one understands it, there's been more exegesis written on Paradise Lost than any other book written. That's mm. interesting. It is. So thank you so oh. much for joining us. Of course, my and pleasure. It, thank you so much. It's been an interesting half hour. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Mm-hmm. And a reminder to all you readers, all our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and really any other uh, bookstore can order it for you. A special thanks to all of you for listening to the Milford House Mysteries. We hope you enjoy our program. And our next program will be on Thursday, May 9th at 2.30 p.m. Our guest will be award-winning author Timothy J. Smith. Uh, who wrote Fire on the Island and The Vision of Angels. 
In the meantime, you can follow Jody and me on social media. I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com uh, plus Facebook and Twitter. And you can find me. I'm on Facebook too, facebook.com backslash Carlisle Crime Cases by J.M. West. And my new website is carlislecrimecases.com. Oh, thanks for joining you. us. Oh, go ahead. I just said thanks for joining us. Oh, yes. And I was going to say the exact same thing, so we're stumbling over other each other here at the end. But thanks okay. for tuning in to the podcast. Thanks to Dr. Barry Libin, uh, and we'll hopefully uh, be in touch with you next time. Goodbye.